0: everyone, welcome to this roundup. The blockchain revolution is here. This technology brings forward a potential to provide individuals and entities across nations, its government, industries, organizations and academia, in short referred to as NGIOA, a trustable digital infrastructure for a fair and balanced economic ecosystem that is based on shared information and distributed trust. That is transparent and trackable in cyberspace, geospace, and space, in short referred to as CGS. The blockchain-driven transformation has blurred the boundaries between cyberspace, geospace, and space. As the blockchain-driven tr- digital infrastructure provides protection from digital crimes and brings forward a barrier against socio-economic instability. It becomes a driving force of the digital global age where the rules for competition and collaboration are just beginning to be rewritten. The question is no longer whether the digital disruption, transformation and revolution that we are witnessing today on the backbone of blockchain will transform industries and economies, but rather how will they do so? To discuss that further, to discuss blockchain revolution further, I am delighted to welcome Chen Zhang to this roundup. Zhaochian is the founding partner of Fintech for Good and he's a contributor to CCTV America. Welcome Zhaochian, we are honored to have you on Risk Roundup.
1: Thank you very much and I'm very honored to just uh, be here with you and others, uh, Zha.
0: Wonderful, Zhaochian. So as blockchain promises the digital infrastructure of a digital global age, what is the nature of transformation possible in cyberspace, geospace and space?
1: Yeah, the very interesting part of the whole blockchain contribution, uh, is that to connect to the physical space and uh, also the digital space. And uh, one of the uh, interesting part of that is, uh, you know, there, in the physical space, there are a lot of transactions are being done. And no, no matter is, uh, you know, uh, is the asset to asset, is the currency to currency, or is uh, the, uh, you know, service to service, and a lot of time that we can see uh, risks associated with those transactions and the trust related issue, a fraud issue, or trading dollar you know issue which need to be addressed. The blockchain is one of those technology which actually can just uh, uh, to address those in threefold. One is that uh, to just uh, you know through automation through uh, uh Bring, bring this uh, technology solution uh, to facilitate the physical. And the second part is that, uh, you know, to digitalize the physical into making them as the digital assets, then using, you, using the digital, uh, from, uh, bring the digital assets to the blockchain system and then to facilitate that uh, transaction again to address those fraud and uh, uh, other risks. And the third part is that uh, to just uh, combine the physical and uh, the digital as a one. And uh, you know, one one example of that is uh, uh, since time that we'll have you know around the 50 uh, tr- uh, 50 uh, billion uh, IoT devices, which will be just uh, you know all, all over the world and then we are connected uh, and everything we do are connected and but currently that's uh, you know our infrastructure doesn't allow that kind of uh, transaction communication and blockchain can also facilitate the physical to talk to the digital and digital talk back to the physical in a safer and uh, uh risk proof way
0: yes very true and the question is not whether the digital disruption, transformation and revolution that we are witnessing today, Because of not only blockchain, but as you just mentioned, IoT, and then artificial intelligence, machine learning, deep learning, and more, it is going to transform nations and economies. So it's just a matter of time to see. it, it, It is not a question whether it will transform. It's just a matter of time to see how will they do so using the backbone of blockchain. So this is a very fascinating, very interesting time that we are all living in, and blockchain technology forms a barricade against the socio-economic instability across nations. It also provides a protection from digital crimes and it seems that blockchain provides nations a potential for a trustable digital infrastructure, for a fair and balanced economic ecosystem because it is going to be based on shared information and distributed trust that is transparent and trackable. from your assessment, how are nations responding to the blockchain-driven revolution that would bring transparency, trackability, trust, and accountability in the decisions that are made across nations at all levels?
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, I just uh, want to start from example that, uh, you know, when you just look at uh, who are leading the digital transformation, some smaller country actually play a much bigger role. And one example is Estonia. That's from the e Estonia uh, uh, project. That the whole country, and uh, when you just see that's uh, one of the country that's uh, citizens uh, really engaged with uh, the government uh, and also uh, conduct their daily business and also their you know daily life with all the digital uh, facilitated uh, processes and technologies, and uh, so. Uh, if you are a business person, that uh, you have you through the EE Estonia project, uh, you can just uh, apply for your license and uh, conduct your business uh, in a much safer and and a better way. And then the government is behind that. And uh, when you also just look at, uh, for example, smart city blockchain initiative in Dubai City, and uh, again, that uh, the government starting from the strategy that. Uh, uh, which put a lot of uh, government uh, uh, documents, existing documents, future doc- documents on the blockchain and then to just uh, help uh, citizens and also businesses to streamline the process, then they can just get a better service. But in the meantime, that's uh, definitely a uh, smart Dubai project, or smart city Dubai project also includes the, the communication uh, between Blockchain technology and IoT uh, technology, and then really just uh, to start pilots, so how to just uh, you know uh, combine all the emerging technology as a whole solution uh, to address some of the initial challenge. And uh, in the US, we can also you know look at uh, for example uh, uh, blockchain initiative in Illinois states, and uh, the, the the state starts uh, you know from the. uh Uh, the first, uh, you know, the blockchain guidance, uh, which was, uh, you know, coming from the policy level. And then to just uh, define, you know, how the government should respond to the new technology. What are the playground? How to define the playground? And then from there, under the guidance, there are quite a number of very exciting blockchain initiatives, including a blockchain center, which will just, you know, identify the solutions, get it tested, uh, and rollouts uh, in the near future are there already. And then when you just go to you know China and uh, uh, the central bank already have the first uh, uh, pilot or tested uh, the you know uh, digital currency blockchain based digital digital currency pilots was already carried out in 2016, and the, the, the national level rollout is really also underway. And uh, several municipalities of China is also taking um, blockchain initiatives to address, uh, you know, ecosystem payments and uh, infrastructure facilitation, and also, you know, financial uh, transaction, uh, environmental uh, governance, and all those issues.
0: Yeah, very true. And you gave really good examples. But for nations to make real progress towards digital transformation and inclusion. Each component of a nation, that is government, industries, organizations and academia, they need to be critical allies and collaborators. But at this point, we don't see necessary collaboration and cooperation. Uh, Do you think that blockchain technology leaders and visionaries are concerned about this lack of collaboration and cooperation? And if they are, how do they plan to address this concern in context with poor connectivity weak government institutions and ill defined or unstable policy environments because it's not just about developed countries but there are so many developing countries where the government institutions are not uh, very effective or the ngos or uh, any other you know global institutions they are not effective and the policies and all that are very unstable so there are not it is not just about the technology to be able to succeed to have a successful transformation we need many other you know variables and factors also develop and you know strengthen in parallel but i don't see that
1: yeah and uh, you know uh, com- this is a very good question and i want to reframe it uh, in the way that uh you know we are living in the world with uh, both challenges and opportunities, and each government is you know making their biggest effort to try to be the you know problem solver for those challenges. Of course, they have different constraints, and uh, one of the constraints is that uh, to understand the, the the challenge with the new lens of tech, you know through the new lens of the technology. And then they can just, you know, through those new lines that they definitely are able to just come with new solutions, which can be tested, which can potentially really just address those issues which can never be, you know, solved in a timely manner or in an efficient way. And from that, as what you mentioned correctly, that um, there are, you know, uh you know you to for any new technology to be adopted at a national level it takes time and we do see that uh, you know more dialogue more collaboration is needed and one example uh, of course uh, here that's you know different organizations will all play a, a very important role in this eco building the ecosystem and also make the ecosystem work and uh, we are seeing quite a number of, uh, you know, government-led initiative and private sector-led initiative or NGO-led initiative, all with the same goal. And I think, uh, one message of that is, uh, you know, all these efforts need to just, uh, uh, define a space where all can play, not create new silos. And uh, so that is you know one mess. The second one is that uh, there are some impactful uh, platforms and initiatives uh, which uh, you know are you know uh, having the ambition to address that. One of them uh, was uh, an initiative led by us. It's called the ministers conference on blockchain, and the idea is very clear that uh, you know for blockchain to be taken seriously in in. Different countries. And one thing is that, you know, blockchain has to be a solution for different sectors, not only in a financial sector. When you just look at the financial sector of blockchain technology application, around, you know, more than 95% of, you know, applications in the financial sector. But as a future, you know, infrastructure level of technology is definitely need to go beyond the financial service. And for that we need to engage uh, you know miniature of uh, environment Ministry of energy ministry of uh, industry ministry of uh, education all need to be involved in that and uh, but for the government to just uh, before they can take on the technology the first uh, you know the primary task is that uh, to help the ministers uh, and the policymakers to understand uh, uh the technology and also link the technology with the challenge that they are facing and also are you should you know get inspired by other ministers of their ongoing work, how they have embraced the technology, how their problem are solved, addressed by those uh, by the new emerging technology. So that's why you know you through this new initiative we hope to get more uh ministers uh, uh, enter into this space, having a dialogue to just, uh, uh, meet with the private sector, the technology experts, and uh, then finally to do, to, to define a space where that they can just, uh, uh do the pilots, uh, identifying or matching the problem with the solutions. And uh, we expect that we'll have the first, uh, uh ministers conference uh, in 2017. And we also will just provide several frontier labs which will help ministers to just build their blockchain solutions and facilitate for the pilots.
0: Yes, very true. And like you said, I mean, there needs to be broader development of redesigning of the systems at all levels. And it's not just within the financial industry, but across each and every nations, uh, governments, industries, all industries, not just financial industries, academia and organizations. So there there needs to be redefinition and redesigning of all the systems at all levels and it is going to take time. But what is uh, uh, fundamental is that while the blockchain and we just, you know, talked about this, that while it is revolutionary, there still needs to be broader collaboration, cooperation so that we can... uh, address the challenges that are ongoing for the broader implementation. But while the concerns remain, perhaps the most encouraging benefit of blockchain technology is the incentive it creates for everyone to work honestly, where rules apply equally to everyone in cyberspace, geospace and space. And in addition, one of the most important feature, which is very exciting to uh, everyone is that it allows, blockchain allows individuals across nations to interact, deal or transact directly with one another without going through any middleman. And that is perhaps the biggest, you know, advantage that people see is that the, we are, uh, the role of middleman is diminishing as blockchain is taking over. Do you see what kind of benefits do you see because of this diminishing role of blockchain?
1: Yeah, and uh, uh, for me, that uh, you know, the real potential for of blockchain doesn't lie uh, in those areas where that uh, then they they uh, disable the government uh, uh, functions or to just uh, you know facilitate. Uh, uh, process where that government uh, cannot uh, regulate or cannot, uh, uh, uh prove. And uh, that's not the area that I'm interested in. And, uh, I'm, when we just look at, uh, you know, those, uh, uh challenges which arrive, uh, are around us and, uh, we, you know, we, we, we always take, uh, uh, our lens through the, 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 theory of no change, meaning that uh, a lot of things need to happen, but uh, it's not happening. Why? What are those factors? What are the risks associated with those, uh, fact, uh, you know, f- facts, uh, which may, may uh, hinder the process from the, you know, uh, broader adoption of, uh, uh, blockchain technology? I see different risks uh the first risk of the top uh risk is really that uh, this uh, you know the notion of decentralization and the, the decentralization and if you know the technology uh becoming used uh, in a way to just uh you know uh create risks for the governments for you know for like uh facilitate uh, cross border uh, money laundry and uh, other you know potential issues which the government has big concern, then the technology go to a direction where that uh, the government need to watch it and uh, have it shut down so that we don't want to go to that route so that's why you know in this risk roundup and I think uh, we need to also look at uh, you know what are the risks that the uh, government is taking if they support uh, uh, the technology adoption and what are the low-hanging fruits? What is uh, the longer-term road plan that the government can look at it in the way that, uh, one, uh, it can really help the government to address some of the huge challenges like uh, energy access, like uh, the, uh, <coughs> sorry, universal access to, uh, healthcare. Like uh, you know, how to address the the education fraud issue in education certification system, and how to use the new technology to enable ecosystem payment, and how to just make the government, uh, pro- public service providing process becoming more transparent and also add more you know make it reduce in a cost-effective way but uh, much more effective, and then and also for the public service they can just. Uh, Make uh, all the uh, reporting process becoming, you know, uh, much less stringent uh, in the way that uh, citizens can get engaged uh, much easier than before with the government uh, on that. So I think the first, the top one is that uh, the technology, uh, the future of the technology as uh, from for me lies in the areas where that uh, the private and public can really work collaborate, uh, using the technology. And the second, the second point I want to mention is that uh, in those areas that uh, where that uh, you know, uh, as taking your first, you know, last question and this question together, uh, a roadmap is really, really important. So that's why you know, for example, we launched a, a smart city blockchain lab last uh, in, in April. The first task that we took for the lab is to design a smart city blockchain development framework. So only when the framework is ready and it becoming a widely used framework that all concerns are addressed and also the process are defined, the key players are identifying, and then we can just all use you know a framework which can just you know Uh, make all the innovations happen in the way that's uh, in a coordinated way, but all the positive uh, uh, side of the technology will just, you know, come out, and then the citizens and the stakeholders can benefit from the technology.
0: Absolutely. You made a very, very key point that we need to define the roadmap, we need to have that vision of where we are going, what kind of systems we we need to develop. Now, blockchain is a key technology for digital systems because its ledger can record transactions in a tamper-proof fashion. And it also gives us complete transparency and auditability, but any blockchain-based system will be designed to allow global participants and in a collaborative, cooperative manner, both independently and collectively to trust the digital infrastructure via a consensus mechanism. But when it comes to redesigning and redefining systems at all levels, as you just mentioned, we need to have a clear vision and roadmap. How will we use blockchain technology effectively? Do we have that kind of vision or roadmap that has been even at least talked about uh, across nations at all levels? Do we see that, you know beginning of that kind of discussions? And uh, are there any problems or issues that needs to be resolved for developing that kind of roadmap? Where do you see a need for more effort?
1: Yeah, and uh, this is a fascinating question. Just the question itself adds so much value to the discussion and because uh, you know the big picture here is that uh, uh blockchain technology is really at its infancy, although you know a lot of people are talking about it, but uh, uh even you know I take it as uh, like uh, uh, there are three different group of people when they're talking about the blockchain, and then the first group is that uh you know the early adopter who already just uh, you know have uh, no understand the technology and also support technology and also understand the risk and then it's really just uh, you know start already uh, full speed working on that and for them we call it a converted. So then those those people you know uh, in I always say that for for those converted that's uh, we may need to just. Uh, uh, look at uh, how to avoid the uh, risk, not just because you are converted uh, and then the risk associated with technology may be uh, you know uh, uh, like neglected and so that conversation should you know the risk related conversation need to be brought to that community. The second group is that uh, who heard about it who may be fascinated about or who you know but there's not much ground they just think of something. May happen great, they are looking at it, so for that uh, group or community, a lot of education need to just uh, you know come into that conversation, so that's why the one on one type of conversation will be very important to just uh, bring both the opportunity and risk into the their their understanding and then they can just uh, connect uh, their problem or uh, you know or the, the challenge they are facing with the specific technology options. Uh, And understand how to just, uh, you know, define their own roadmap. And the third group is that, you know, those who really don't understand the technology and are so scared, but they know the keywords like uh, uh, distributed ledger, or they know the keyword that uh, this intermediation or that. And then they get scared and then they want to keep the technology, but they don't understand it. So those people, you know, it's uh, as again, the technology as its infancy. We have quite a, you know, a large community there, which, uh, you know, are, you know, against the, all, all the technology. So then they are talking about uh, a lot of time the negative side of the of the technology. And, uh, you know, when we just uh, understand that there are three different type of conversation are ongoing. And when we as the audience uh, or, or everyday people, hear those t- uh, conversation. We need to be aware that, uh, you know, they, the conversation actually coming from their own backgrounds uh, and where they stand in this different uh, spectrum. And uh, so as of the, you know, system-wide adoption and the roadmap uh, type of conversation. And I think uh, a lot of more conversation need to happen. And now I'm very happy actually uh, there are a lot of conversations uh, happening, but uh, again, from the conversation to actions, uh, it takes some time. i give you a few examples that uh, uh, for such uh, system-wide coordination that we need uh, you know, a big organization who have the convening power to bring different stakeholders to the table, and the UN system is definitely one of the actors which will play a big role, and uh, interesting enough that uh, the UN has uh, a a small group of experts. Uh, They are looking into it, and uh, every month there will be the UN internal meetups, and uh, then they also are identified pilots, and then from those pilots they are having, you know, conversation with the countries and different agencies of private sector and uh from World that's uh you know they, they are also i you know highly engaged in in this conversation that uh a new lab potentially will be launched very soon, and the lab may play a big role in bring different stakeholders uh, together and uh two or three months ago that i m s also launched its blockchain advisory group and uh, then they can also work with uh, you know Central banks or uh, miniature finance, uh, then to bring that conversation to to you know that level, and from the industry level, that you know uh, in DC, that's uh, one of the very important organization as the Chamber of Digital Commons, and which uh, you know were able to bring together a lot of uh, uh, policy maker from uh, the United States, you know working on the. Policy issue and uh, helping the policymaker to understand the technology to facilitate this kind of private, uh, public private partnership type of uh, uh, future uh, technology development. And also in the uh, developing country, or uh, sorry, from the EU side, you know, from the EU Commission level, there is also the advisory group who is working with closely with the uh, eu uh, you know commission commissioners on on, on this and from developing countries that's as i mentioned to, to you of uh, our you know co- uh, ministers conference and we do have quite a number of ministers who show interest they want to engage in the conversation and so all this you know show that uh, as a new technology and we do have uh, some momentum and one other Platform I forgot to mention, that is uh, the World Economic Forum. And uh, you know, they were able to bring the world leader to the forum every, every in, in each of their summits. And uh, for the forum, last year and this year, blockchain will be a key topic. And uh, as of myself, that's uh, from the time when I just take on blockchain as one of the areas that I'm working on till now. Every month, and I'm talking to at least, uh, uh, talking at at least, you know, one to four forums or summits uh, on blockchain related issues. And, uh, you know, those communities are really, uh, very, very different in terms of spectrum. They're coming from the policy, uh, or innovation or the big corporation or is the financial sector. And so there are a lot of, existing platforms and conversations are ongoing, but again when we just go back to you know changing conversation to actions it takes some time but luckily that we are seeing some pilots already but again from pilot to scale up is another you know several hundred steps away yeah
0: very true very true it is you know it all of this will take time now if we talk about uh Before we go to the economic systems and how to redesign and what is going on, very briefly, let's talk about how we can redesign government systems. Uh, How how we can transform the governments from where they are currently to where they need to be, that a government model, governance model that is fit for a digital global age. And to begin with, it seems that the blockchain can improve record keeping in the public sector that is, you know, already seen and based on the record keeping advances, uh, there are many changes that can happen across uh, all levels of government, irrespective of whether it's a local, state or national or global, you know. So there are already some initiatives that uh, I'm seeing from across nations, where the governments have started implementing some programs for uh, record keeping that, you know, for land ownership uh, and, you know, some many other, you know, areas. So what is your assessment? What are you seeing uh, as far as the government systems are concerned?
1: Yeah. And uh, when we talk about, uh, you know, government system or public service providing, you know, process and uh, uh, as we go back to, you know, my first uh, statement that is uh, we first look at uh, each government agency, and uh, then what challenge uh, they are facing, and uh, w- uh, and uh, you know, got, uh, blockchain could potentially address those challenges. So th- those are the three steps. You know, if the government doesn't see the issue, or the citizens didn't uh, demand for, for the issue to be addressed, then there's no change needed. But, uh, so that's the first part is that, you know, the agency need to identify this is an issue to, to be addressed and blockchain can help and then the rest can happen. Or is the citizen demand the agency to change or to, to improve their service, uh, you know, providing and from, from that, uh, they also identify you know, uh, the blockchain can be a solution to address those challenges. So then that is another, no matter it's the bottom up or, or top down. So we have to con- connect the technology with the problem. And, uh, w- you know, for all the conversation I had with the different uh, players in the ecosystem, we never want to change the system using blockchain. We want to use the blockchain to just uh, address challenges. So that's you know my first message. The second one is that uh, I want to give you a few examples. of what, what, what is happening? And uh, we take you know education uh, as an example. that's uh, a lot of you know governments are issue certificates, and for uh, you know different individuals. Then those individuals use certificates to qualify them for different jobs and for you know be employed by employers. And uh, so, then, for the government, uh, is uh, you know one of the function they have is after they issue the certificates, then they also have to just uh, verify the certificate because the fraud is a major issue in many many countries, and the trillion dollars are really just being lost from the fraud. But uh, many times, the government don't have that uh, system which are supporting them and then the current uh, certificate verification system is really slow in responding to requests. It's cost-e- not cost-effective because the uh, individual will need to just go back to their huge library or the 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 you know the, the storage room to look for uh, certificates, and then finally to, to combine, uh, com- compare this to, and then to issue or to say, this is a verified. And a lot of governments are shocking hands, of our workforce, and then these kind of you know uh, services which take away quite a number of uh, government employees to do some you know uh, uh, you know so those kind of uh, services are definitely uh, highly possible are very beneficial for the government to just uh, use a blockchain based system that you have uh, you know. So, certificates, an employer can just verify on spot and the government doesn't need to have anyone who will just, you know, do the transaction and then go back to the room to just combine, look for and then to compare the certificates and all that. So, from that, it will reduce the government budget dramatically and also improve the efficiency and then improve their, you know, the service, the satisfaction of their service. Providing so for those areas, uh, that's definitely the low-hanging fruits where that uh, you know blockchain application can address uh, some existing uh, issues that the government is really facing, and then the beneficiaries are very clear: It's the employers, is the individuals who who you know take many many hours to just complete that uh, learning and then to finish that test. So this is a real one of very good example how blockchain becoming a, a system which everyone participate in the system gets rewarded. So we want to identify those areas in each ministry, in each sector, and where that blockchain can just really help all players, then we start from there to just create more momentum to get the system technology tested, to make the policymaker uh, and big cooperation more confidence in the technology, and then there that we can just you know have another round of conversation regarding that. Uh, what are the most uh, potential where the technology lie without taking this more opportunistic uh, approach?
0: Yes, very true. No, it's a very good point that you made there, and it also seems that the governments can easily. Uh, simplify their operations and data processing, that itself will be a powerful way for governments to get their all different agencies, organizations having one simple flow of data and infrastructure that would simplify everything, you know, for their operations. And it would be uh, very helpful for the government agency to access data. And uh, of course, you know, there are also a lot of uh, Examples that you see, you know, across nations where there are initiatives going on to uh, simplify the digital voting to actually create the digital voting system, not simplify to create the digital voting system, because elections require authentication of voters identity. And it also requires Secure record keeping to track votes and tally votes and uh, declare the winner and that all is possible using the blockchain in a very transparent trackable trustable manner. So there are a lot of initiatives going on across nations uh, to redesign, redefine and simplify uh, processes uh, across government agencies and governments. So we'll have to wait and see how the advances have uh, you know, move forward and uh, what kind of response they are getting from governments. So we will wait and uh, discuss this, you know, in the coming months and years. And we will see how the uh, systems are being redesigned across uh, nation's governments. But let's talk about how we can redesign economic system. If we look at the economic system, imagine being able to move all kinds of assets, liabilities, risk and rewards across borders nations borders and between institutions without paying huge transfer fees, the payment of huge transfer fees is a problem for so many nations. So it seems that this is where blockchain technology promises huge uh, benefits. How do you see blockchain transforming the monetary ecosystem at all levels, local, national and global?
1: Yeah. and. Again, this is a fascinating question by the South, and uh, I want to just use a few examples uh, to just to uh, say that uh, how blockchain technology can benefit uh, the global or national or local system. And the first one is, uh, you know, uh, it's emission trading scheme, which is uh, an international scheme. And before that, so, you know, when we just. Uh, 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 under the Protocol, there is a mechanism called a clean development mechanism, and uh, where that uh, you know uh, the the project developer can just basically uh, develop uh, uh, emission reduction projects, renewable energy, energy efficiency projects, and then they can sell the emission reductions uh, to buyers, and uh, then of course that's uh, you know the third party need to var- va- validate. Uh, the documents and a ver- verify the emissions occurred, and uh, to just uh, you know start from project initiation to the final issuance of the carbon credit, it takes uh, from 14 months to even 24 months, and uh, the parties involved include uh, you know the United Nations uh, UNFCCC. And it will include uh, include the third party va- uh, validators such as Munich uh, Re and the, uh, 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 sorry uh, the the Tufte uh, and other type of third party validator. And it involves uh, project developers, the traders. It also involves uh, the uh, you know the the capital markets uh, and all parties are involved. But then this process is extremely costly. And finally, you know, when we just look at the project owner who just want to do good to the environment and then finally all the middle middle process will just get some, you know, add some cost into it. Validation, you, you know, need to just be, you know, the, the cost occurred in validation will just uh, increase the price of the, 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 the carbon credits. And the verification process also will just increase the cost. And the trading parts, you know, the reporting, all that. So with a blockchain-based system, that's all parties can just, you know, have the documents uploaded on the blockchain system. And then from the project initiating, and then all data can just go directly on the blockchain, the verifiers even, you know, We can just take verifiers away, or just give. For if in this case is the UN, UN can really just get the data by themselves without a a verifier, the third party. So with you know taking all the third party out of that, and the the cost reduction of that process will be you know around the the, uh, you know there are some some existing. System which are being developed by uh, Energy Blocking Lab in China. Their estimation is uh, the cost reduction is around sixty percent, even more. And for the duration of the process, and before it, you know, as I mentioned, you know, from twelve months or forty months to twenty-four months to be cut to you know less than three months or even shorter. So that kind of you know benefits for the whole. Climate change is dramatic or enormous, so that's uh, definitely is a one very good example for the cross-border collaboration and how this can enable that. And uh, the second, you know, at national level, that's uh, you know we have the interstate uh, crowdfunding as an example. That's uh, you know different uh, states uh, will just uh, you know, the money coming to to this state. Uh, and uh, then the fund can go to that uh, project and uh, then again, each funding uh, will need to you know get the data back to just uh, tell the investors that uh, how the money is spent and uh, uh, what are the result achieved and etc and also as investors they need to know that uh, how well the company is doing and all that actually, Again, add quite some some uh, cost into a crowdfunding project. Finally, that's uh, the you know startup innovators who really want to get a currency or get the money to just land their project. Then have to just take a, a huge portion out of the money they raised, then to uh, cover the cost in the process, and then with again blockchain-based system, that's uh, this. Many of the middleman related costs will be just a cut and then all the money will just go to the project directly. And this also applies for a lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, interstate or, or national level kind of projects. Another example I want to give is, is at the local level and which, you know, the interesting thing, uh, was uh, this story was uh, is a real case that when I was giving a lecture in Qingdao City in China, and then some uh, village head was uh, in the in the uh, class, and then they asked me the question that uh, we uh, every every year that we basically are are you know uh, allocating you know government subsidies to farmers. Uh, and uh, we have also other grant-related, uh, you know, uh, uh, f- funding windows. We need to just, uh, you know, allocate uh, money, and uh, we need to have a system which we can just, uh, uh, you know, allocate the currency or money in a way that uh, everyone knows. No wrongdoing occurred in the process, and all the money go to the right. Uh, People who are eligible to the subsidy, and uh, although we are doing something which is totally um, aligned with the, the the procedure, but still, we you know, people still doubt whether we are doing the things uh, according to the rule, or are we just doing some backdoor uh, round doing? And uh, so, using a blockchain system and put, to put all actions. The transactions on the blockchain, and everyone knows where does money go, and uh, then after money, you know, go to the person, and what this person uh, use, how the money is spend, what result being achieved. Then from the government side, that uh, they become a much more effective uh, agency, and from the uh, citizen side, they see that uh, yeah, no, no, uh, no one. Who have been manipulating the process, nothing wrong happened, then they will trust the government much better. So in, in using this three case, and I want to just, you know, tell, uh, share with you and others uh, that blockchain definitely can add great value at a post, uh, at the global level or uh, cross border or at within the national border or at the local level.
0: Yes, very true. No, thank you for sharing that. Now, as you have been, you know, talking and uh, it seems like by removing barriers, such as, uh, you know, intermediary banks or prohibitive costs or uh, all kinds of waiting periods and regulatory restrictions, service providers from across nations, they can connect with the blockchain technology and open up systems to entire countries, and this is so beneficial because many emerging economies are of the financial grade. They have random regulations and they lack banking competition. A lot of banks are not even uh, willing to exist in certain parts of uh, the world, and there is a because there is a widespread. Uh, fear about fines and cash and criminal money uh, markets which can further cause damage to all these you know already fragile economies and it seems that since cash and criminal money movement go hand in hand there are so many economies that are excluded currently from the traditional financial markets and uh, as i just mentioned some banks don't even like to you know exist in those markets because uh, of the all kinds of fines and uh, messy regulations that they have to deal with. So how does, uh, from your assessment, where do you see the advances moving forward that would uh, help the emerging markets overcome these barriers and be an equal participant in the global economic ecosystem based on the blockchain advances? Yeah, and uh,
1: for this end, uh, you know, we launched a financial inclusion blockchain lab in uh, April, and uh, the mission of lab is really to you know using blockchain technology to enable financial inclusion, and uh, meaning that uh, as what you share that uh, many in in in. Now nowadays, that we have around uh, two billion people who are either unbanked or underbanked, and uh, so you know, blockchain technology can really uh, enable uh, those uh, you know underbanked or unbanked people to access to financial services in different manners. And one is that uh, you know, the reason that uh, traditional like our the, the banking sector doesn't want to or, or doesn't have the uh, interest to offer that service to the, those group of people is because of cost issue and uh, you know to provide a loan to those who don't have collateral is highly risky to provide a loan to those who don't have an identity is too risky To provide a loan to those who really don't have any financial transaction, uh, in the, in the past is too risky. And to provide a loan to those who are in the remote areas where that those banks don't have a branch is too costly. So all those, you know, contribute to the fact that those, you know, underbanked and unbanked will continue to be a to not be able to access to, to, to financial services and which are crucial for their, for, for their, you know, personal development or, or for the country as well. So blockchain can really, uh, provide a solution in several manners. One is that, uh, you know, helping those who don't have, uh, identity with the digital identity and with the digital identity, that uh, you know all your transactions uh, are you know financial or non-financial transaction can be recorded, and uh, then the financial institutions, including microfinance institutions, who are normally looking at this sector, uh, will have more tools to understand the risk better and also design uh, instruments or products. Which can just provide financing to those, uh, you know, individuals or small businesses. Yes, and uh, the, in addition to the digital identity, that uh, another uh, blockchain use case in financial inclusion is that uh, uh, KYC know your know your clients or know your uh, customer, and meaning that uh, from blockchain based uh, uh, solution that. Uh, Banks, traditional banks, will reduce dramatically of the cost to assess uh, the risk of providing or or, or just uh, you know uh, create account for an individual, and from this that uh, many people in the rural areas will be able to just uh, uh, create or access to. Uh, tr- traditional banking services through blockchain based uh, uh, technology and uh, another you know very important uh, blockchain use uh, use case for uh, uh, blockchain uh, for the micro uh, for for the financial inclusion is uh, you know enable uh, microfinance institutions and currently that's you know microfinance uh, uh, which has been really just very important in many emerging markets, uh, are taking on quite some risks. And a lot of risks are associated, uh, with not knowing the, the, uh, customers well, not having their, uh, track track, uh, transaction record. And not knowing their social network, not knowing that who can just guarantee uh, the loan and all that, and from a blockchain-based trust net, trusted community network, that uh, microfinance institutions will have much more powerful tools, which can enable them to just bring that necessary fund to the to the more much many more individuals and in the in the meantime a lot of the microfinance institutions are facing the uh, constraint from their investors okay uh, you know their investors also are looking at uh returns and also looking at uh, the risks uh, associated with uh, each loans they provide and with a blockchain based system that uh, they can just, uh, you know, the, the investors to microfinance institutions will get much more confidence that uh, their loans will be paid paid back with the reduced costs uh, and risks. And so, from no matter is uh, you know for the traditional banking sector or for the microfinance institutions or for the individuals, and we can see that uh, you know blockchain definitely will play a huge role to just help those uh, underbanked
0: and uh, unbanked.
1: Uh, to just access to financial services.
0: Yes, no, absolutely. Those are really good examples. And uh, you talked about microfinancing and digital identification. Now, blockchain, you know, the distributed ledger can be the foundation for this new form of secure portable digital IDs in a world where millions and millions still you know lack a recognized form of identification it seems that e- in egypt 90% of people they have their homes and uh, farms and all kinds of you know assets but they don't have a single paper to show the ownership of that there is no way they can verify that this was their farm or this is their farm or this is their house so this can be the beginning of a revolution across many nations where Proving ownership of assets or even getting acknowledged as a citizen in itself is has been a huge challenge, so this will be a very very uh, beneficial Identification and ownership would be so beneficial to so many of uh, millions across nations because uh, they have been excluded from the uh, financial system and all banking systems and all kinds of you know systems. So, this will make it very easy to verify transaction identities and remove the disincentives associated with so many international payments uh, with all huge you know fees like in emerging economies uh, they have to pay up to 15 20% to uh, transfer fees if they want to transfer money from one account to you know and send it somewhere else we pay so little here in developed countries so this will open up access to so many banking accounts and it will be so many it will be so easy for so many people so these are amazing you know uh, advances happening and uh, at the at the center of all that is going to be the collaboration and cooperation. I have been, you know, we have been talking about this uh, for the last, you know, uh, few minutes about this that unless we have the co- cooperation, collaboration, that is going to be very difficult to achieve what we want to achieve and the vision that we want to develop uh, to be able to create the systems and redesign and redefine the system that would help everyone across nations. But it seems that we are, you know, moving that path and cryptocurrencies, Bitcoins, they are, you know, beginning to provide people across the globe with instant, secure, and frictionless money. If we just talk about the uh, cryptocurrency. Uh, where now it is not just Bitcoin. There are many, many different uh, uh, cryptocurrencies uh, under development across nations. There are so many blockchains under development in parallel across nations. So we are just not sure which blockchain is going to be used uh, across nations on which the financial system, economic system or any other system is going to be designed and defined because everyone is... uh, Getting into this uh, blockchain is like a hot, you know, uh, sector for everyone. Be- this technology is exciting everyone, and everyone is working in silos, coming up with their own solutions. And like with any new innovation, it is understandable that uh, there are many, many new different uh, variables, and uh, that are being developed new different, you know, uh, innovations that are coming out. But and in the end, if we are trying to develop a global system or a national system, then we need to define and come to agreement on which blockchain we are going to use and on which blockchain those developments uh, applications are going to be developed that would be you know helpful to all the nations to create the incentives that we are trying to create the, to create the system that we are trying to create and at, uh, my concern is there are too many blockchains. Are under development, and there are too many cryptocurrencies that are under development. Which ones are going to be used? Which one is going to be used across nation. nation? Yeah, and uh, so
1: this, I think, you know, it has a, both a simple answer or more complicated answer. The simple answer is that uh, uh, leave it to the market, and uh, it's a the reason is that you know as any new technology emerges and uh, it will just uh, you know experience uh, the whole technology adoption curve starting from early adopter then to the uh, you know scale up to like uh, mature then to decline and the blockchain will also just uh, you know experience this uh, this uh, typical technology adoption curve mm-hmm. and uh, from that uh, curve it's a pure market uh, uh, mechanism where that's uh, you know there we we are going to see a, a market consolidation in the next five years. But before this five years, it all you know will be a market-based play out by the different players. That's uh, uh, you know uh, which which blockchain technology company have the vision and then implement their vision. You uh, know. More effective manner, and then to just uh, deliver the solution, which are you know giving the confidence to the market where that new new customers, clients, you know start to take on their technology and drop to you know others, etc. All that will be uh, you know market-based uh, uh, approach, and of course that uh, you know as the government or as uh, you know different institutions for at this stage want to get a, a comf- comfortable understanding that you know there are too many. And for us we don't want to be the blockchain technology expert to just know everything. But can we really just uh, anyone in the ecosystem help us to just uh, you know reduce the level of complexity to make our life easier. So, there are different organizations uh, which try to do that. And one example is that last year, that, uh, we launched the uh, insurance blockchain lab. And, uh, you know, the, the, the simple task for us was uh, threefold. The first one is that uh, we create, uh, we, we develop a report. And how, you know, uh, blockchain can add value to the insurance industry. And what will be the technology roadmap? And for you know uh, adoption of uh, blockchain technology in the insurance industry, what will be the early stage, low-hanging fruit, and what will be the mid-term? What will be the longer term? Then uh, within each you know uh, like a short-term to long-term, then what are the available technologies? Uh, all the you know the platform or the you know open ledgers which are associated with that, and what are the existing applications and what will be the future applications, etc. We want to use the report to give you know the market some kind of our expert opinion or understanding of the, the market and technology. Then they can just select based on you know their need, the problem they try to address. And then with our analysis that uh, what are the pros and the cons of each, then they can just take, uh, you know, uh, the ones which are the most suitable for the challenge they try to address. And we are not the only one who is trying to do that. And there are a number of organizations uh, which try to provide that clarity, reduce the complexity for the market. And we, another initiative we just started is, uh, uh, We basically, you know, for each sector, we are building a a, a blockchain use case development group. And, uh, you know, for each group, that's we want to just basically to create this, uh, you know, technology adoption curve uh, on our roadmap where that's, uh, you know, others can just uh, look at it and then to get reference from it
0: yes very true now there there's so much to talk about there are so many we have barely covered you know few areas of government and the economic system uh, there's still so much happening across other you know industries and across ngos and academia of all kinds of uh, applications and developments are happening based on the blockchain but uh, because we have you know one hour only we won't be able to cover all of that but there are you know we do need to talk about the unknowns while the blockchain technology is maturing. there are so many factors that need to be evaluated and addressed to ensure the success of blockchain based systems like we we have already talked about how to how there is a need for cooperation and collaboration between all NDIOs, between uh, governments and uh, industries and everyone, and how to uh, effectively manage the concerns about, of course, privacy and security. We haven't addressed that today much, but we will be addressing, uh, we have addressed that in the past in uh, some other risk roundup, and we will be addressing this more about how to, even though people say blockchain is secured, it is, is it really secure? Because there are some concerns. So we do need to address that. How to address the security concern and how to, um, what will be the cost benefit of blockchain based digital infrastructure? Because when we are trying to redesign, redefine entire systems across nations in cyberspace, geospace, and space, it is a very costly affair. So we will have to address those aspects too. Now, how to, and then you know there is uh, also going to be uh, discussions about how to scale these. What is the scalability? We are developing the systems, but are they scalable? Will we be able to uh, create global systems based on the uh, on the backbone of blockchain now? And what are the going to be? How will we legally enforce the smart contracts? Do we do need to have the that kind of uh, affiliation so that? Uh, legality of the smart contracts. We have already started using that, but are they legal? How to enforce the legality? And uh, those are many, many questions and unknowns that we do need to uh, identify, understand, evaluate, uh, discuss and come up with sensible solutions. But uh, we won't be able to address all that today. But what do you see are the main obstacles that needs to be overcome for the adoption of global, at all levels, the blockchain technology, to develop the systems that we are visioning and we, that we see what, where we could reach on the backbone of the blockchain. But what are the key obstacles from your assessment that we need to address first, before we address all the other you know, questions and uh, concerns?
1: Yeah, and uh, so again, this question is a billion-dollar question. The reason is that, uh, you know, when we just look at uh, any technology, uh, emerging technology, it does, uh, you know, uh, impact uh, the existing system in a fundamental way. And uh, which means that uh, to unfold those uh, uh, risks and opportunities, and uh, it, it, all players need to just jump into that. And then to just, uh, ch- uh, you know, uh, from identifying the problem to just get them solved. And there are at least for me, uh, several steps. The first one is, uh, you know, as what you are doing, read the right questions. And, uh, one of my friend, uh, for example, or is doing, uh, climate engineering work. And, uh, you know, before you put uh, the, 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 uh, climate engineer devices uh, in our outer space, and the first thing is uh, who will govern that? Uh, how can we just define the governance structure around that? The same kind of conversation has to happen in the blockchain field. That uh, the governance structure, the framework to ask the right questions before it's too late. Is it secure? And if it's you know broken, and uh, what will be the plan B? And if uh, you know, our our digital identity are stolen, and uh, those kind of risks. How can we minimize, um, you know mitigate those risks, and all that? If that happens, that that do we have a system to back it up? And all those questions are like really, really important at this point. And uh, I think that's uh, as I shared with you earlier. And uh, there are existing. Um, uh, conversation, conversations around it, but then changing from conversation to institutionalize those uh, uh, questions, or, or in, you know, then to have a more solid uh, process to, to just uh, incorporate those conversations, to make it as a process, then to generate some result or outcome from those processes. Uh, is extremely important. We are at the beginning of raising the right questions. Then to bring, you know, only when we have the right question, then we can bring the right people around the table. And then we design a right process, then, you know, we can come up with a a right outcome. And that either can be a guidance or framework, and can can be, you know, whatever uh, the result or outcome of that process. Then that uh, should go in parallel with the technology development. Now we are seeing a lot of actions from the technology side, but the, the question, the right questions need to be asked from the process governance and, uh, you know, the risk from that side. And I think this conversation is extremely important. And I definitely think that's, uh, risk run-up or you know, cyber security, you know, your organization yourself will be able to play a very important role in
0: that. Oh, thank you so much for that confidence and uh, saying that. Uh, would you like to share with our global viewers and listeners what your organization, Fintech for Good, is uh, trying to achieve and what are your goals and missions? And if they want more information, where should they go to look for more information?
1: Sure. Thank you. And uh, yeah, for fintech for good, that uh, uh, we are a global platform, and uh, we really try to identify the uh, best uh, fintech and blockchain solutions, and then help them to grow into the new market and to solve the right problems. And for that, we have incubation, we have labs, we have acceleration program, we have the investment pillar as well. And uh, of course, uh, in each lab, we we, we work with the partners to generate a lot of industry insights. One of our reports will be out very soon, called the FinTech Capital of the World, and which really providing that uh, regional hubs where that the new uh, things or new tech, exciting things are happening. And uh, if you know, we also will launch our global acceleration uh, program very soon in London. Uh, our launch event is in June the uh, um, June the sixteenth, and in Copenhagen is uh, June the twenty-first, and then in China that is uh, June the twenty-sixth. And uh, so you know, if you are you happen to be in those areas, please reach out to us at. Uh, info at fintechforgood for is the number for fintechforgood.co not c o m and info at fintechforgood.co or you can just go to our website at
0: w great thank you for sharing that and thank you xajan for participating in this roundup today we appreciate your thoughtful insight on blockchain revolution, and I'm sure our global viewers and listeners would benefit tremendously from the information you provided on the ongoing blockchain transformation across nations, its government and industries, organizations and academia. While we couldn't uh, go into detail uh, about academia and organizations and even all the industries, but uh, that information that you shared is going to be very, very useful. And even if a single individual or entity can come up with an idea, to innovate using blockchain and bring the much needed transformation to their nation or to their industries based on the discussion we had today. This, this round of Dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that.
1: Thank you very much. And I really enjoyed this conversation. And I also look forward to have conversation with you and also your viewers in the future. Thank you very Wonderful.
0: much. Wonderful, So blockchain seems to be a much needed digital infrastructure for socio-economic development across nations. While blockchains are causing a technology revolution across nations, it is important to evaluate what else is necessary for the technology transformation to succeed. Risk Group Cybersecurity Risk Research Center and Strategic Security Risk Research Center are created for this very reason, to identify, evaluate and manage the risk-facing NGO and CGS, that means nations, its government, industries, organizations and academia in cyberspace, geospace and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security and peace, they walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. It is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security, so if you build a culture of managing risk effectively, It will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risks together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup videos or hear the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgrouplsc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayeshri Pandya, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.